Welcome to UCLA Extension's Business Insights with Roger Ternaden, where we highlight hot topics and underlying economic trends useful to you. Today's podcast is named Winter is Coming in reference to Jon Snow's prophetic warnings in Game of Thrones. In our real world, the next three or so months will mold the U.S. and global economies for serious economic crises throughout 2023 and into 2024. Based on new data, as well as global central bank actions in recent days, here's the bottom line. A severe global recession is gaining momentum and will cause many more financial crises, impacting many millions of households in the U.S. and even more millions in Europe, Japan, and the less developed countries. In my view, the economic fallout is potentially greater than the 08-09 Great Recession and the related financial meltdown back then. Along the lines of expectations or forecasting, one of our listeners asked me, how can I possibly arrive at my updates since global media broadcasts millions or billions maybe hours of public reporting every two weeks? My initial response is that much media reporting is redundant. It's along the lines of retweeting or repurposing a small number of really important events, decisions, or newly identifiable trends. Thinking about this question a bit more, I quickly moved to, well, basic economics, historical similarities, observed patterns of behavior in our financial leaders, and importantly, exercise of political powers locally and globally. Today, we'll cite some examples of all the above in creating, hopefully, reliable expectations. I'll start with the top determinants of our living standards and purchasing power, and I chose that top to be energy. I'll move to interest rates, then to debt and inflation, and finally, I'll explain briefly why, in my view, the Fed is wanting to keep raising interest rates until they actually cause much lower housing, stock, and bond prices, and they can actually foresee the onset of a significant recession. In this podcast, I'll focus on Europe first and then the United States, since Europe, unfortunately, is the first area to face the coming winter or the coming severe recession. With the Nord Stream pipelines destroyed or otherwise shut off, energy prices are dependent on natural gas supply and natural gas supply prospects. The setup, as we all move into winter, looks fairly dire on the European supply front. The largest global suppliers of natural gas have this dire expectation, and that's worth considering since that expectation is theirs. And why do I say this? Well, liquefied natural gas tankers are positioned offshore Europe awaiting for a spike in prices. More than 30 tankers, and these are very large, very specialized ships, holding liquefied petroleum gas or holding just off European shoreline as energy suppliers are betting that prices will soon start to re-escalate with winter coming near. These ships hold a combined $2 billion worth of liquefied natural gas and are presently sailing slowly in large circles, according to Vortexa, the shipping analytics company. An additional 30 vessels are on their way currently crossing the Atlantic and are expected to hold offshore, adding significantly higher pressure to pricing. 
So very soon, we'll have 60 very large ships not docking to unload their natural gas in European ports. That speaks pretty concretely for what the suppliers are expecting, especially given the high cost of keeping ships sailing in circles, which I'll get to in a minute. So far, European energy importers have been buying to try to make up for the part of the loss of the Russian crude oil and natural gas. At the end of October, the German, French, and Belgian gas inventories were actually pretty close to their peaks. The Dutch TTF gas futures, which is the benchmark price for many European supply contracts, has been extremely volatile in recent months, but substantially up from last year. But winter is coming, and the large global suppliers are betting on a renewed price uptrend. So far, the December futures price of the Dutch TTF reflects a 30% increase over right now, and January futures are moving another 10% or so higher than December. This is a well-founded expectation because the suppliers are paying approximately $500,000 a day for each ship as it's sailing around waiting for prices to go up. The cost of shipping liquefied natural gas in these specialized ships is approaching $500,000 a day, which is a record high and twice the price of the same time last year. Asian liquefied natural gas prices are actually higher than those in Europe, which is encouraging new shipments to go to Asia instead of Europe. Even though the record high shipping costs are considered, the voyage takes longer. Ships are being directed more to Asia, which is going to make the problem in Europe much more difficult as we move into winter. In total, with the soon-to-be 60 large LNG carriers circling off the European shoreline, there's a growing shortage of these specialized ships to transport liquefied natural gas from the United States and the Middle East. Adding to the concerns, the International Energy Agency a few days ago rang the alarm bell over gas supplies in Europe going into next year. Faith Barol, head of the IEA, forecast a significant shortfall next year given the Russian natural gas pipelines are either shut down, blown up, or decreasing by controls amounts entering even the southern European pipelines controlled by Russia. Meanwhile, China demand is climbing in light of their industry reopening after numerous COVID lockdowns. And we should also keep in mind over the past year, the U.S. dollar has gone up approximately 20% compared to the euro. So if everything were the same as last year, which it's not, prices would be 20% higher for the Europeans since the natural gas and crude oil pricing globally are in dollars. Uniper in Germany, U-N-I-P-E-R, is historically Europe's largest importer of Russian natural gas. This year, it has suffered one of the largest financial losses in global financial history, reporting over $40 billion of losses so far this year. The company reported last week that losses in the first nine months of 2022 have increased 10 times from the same period last year. Their stock prices dropped to approximately 5 to 7% of what it was a year ago. And now the German government is being forced to nationalize them in order to continue providing energy to companies and homes this winter. Uniper, like many European and UK gas distributors, has long-term supply contracts at fixed prices. So they're forced to buy their supplies on the global market, having to pay their suppliers at higher and higher prices. The collapse of just this one company threatens many in Germany, including, I would say, most of Germany's households and businesses. 
they can expect to cut off in energy supplies going into the middle and end of winter. Just this one example is pretty incredible, but similar examples are emerging in the United Kingdom, France, and other European countries right now. The politicians in Europe are trying to avoid these high natural gas prices from filtering into the households and businesses. And to do that, they will be needing to add hundreds of billions of dollars of support to their natural gas distributor networks, which is going to have a pretty incredible impact in the debt markets and the currency markets. Let's move to interest rates. Mortgage rates in Europe are promising a hard landing for the real estate markets. Mortgage rates in Germany, Italy, Spain, and France, specific countries that I've checked, have doubled or tripled mortgage rates in the past 12 or so months. Most of the mortgages in Europe are adjustable rate, so these rate increases are hitting most households month by month. Many monthly mortgage payments for families have increased already 40 to 50% since last year. A growing economic recession in Europe is generating a new trend of job losses, but this is in its infancy so far, and the conditions are not as dire as they developed in 08-09 in the Great Recession. We'll keep our eyes peeled as new job loss trends, and they do seem likely, but new trends will add pressure to housing foreclosures and then to new bank debt write-offs in Europe. Let's move kind of quickly to inflation. Again, as I've mentioned since the beginning of our podcasts, a very small number of investment pools around the world exert tremendous control on the financial markets, on the bond markets, the stock markets, and even the real estate markets through the interest rate derivatives. One of the leading global investment pools is the $56 billion asset-strong Elliott Fund. And last week, the Elliott Fund officially warned its clients of, quote, an extremely challenging situation for global markets, unquote. Paul Singer, fund founder, wrote that, quote, an extraordinary set of financial extremes that came as the era of cheap, cheap money drew to a close made possible a set of outcomes that would be or beyond the boundaries of the entire World War II period. Investors should not assume just because they've seen everything, and let's say everything is the 1970s bear market and the coincident oil price shock then, the 1987 stock market crash, the 2000-2001 dot-com bust, or the 2008 financial crisis, Elliot, quote, said last week, markets have not fallen enough given the many present risks. He estimates that a 50% market fall from last year's peak to a trough would be a normal expectation. Elliott's firm has lost money in only two years since its founding in 1977. So he has correctly anticipated money-making opportunities in 43 out of the past 45 years. So I would tend to at least listen to him. If he is correct, we are facing a major stock market decline of an additional 20 to 25% from where we are now. A few comments on debt. U.S. debt interest payments now are set to pass up our defense spending in the national budget. Our U.S. debt to GDP is now 125% plus, and we are in a really negative spiral. The U.S. government has no excess cash, as we all know. We know the U.S. government is operating at trillion-dollar-plus deficits each year, some multiples of that. 
So for every $100 million that has to be raised to pay the additional U.S. debt payments due to higher interest rates, that has to be financed. So debt has to be issued to pay the interest on the debt. That's where we are. For every 1% increase in government debt borrowing costs, the annual interest expense goes up over $300 billion. So far, both short and long-term interest rates have increased between 1% and 2% with more Fed tightening on the way. Likely another 75 basis points in December, in my view. Next year, or certainly in 2024, our government deficit will increase another half a trillion to trillion dollars every year, passing up the cost of our defense spending totals and requiring these new interest expenses be financed by more borrowing. And this is a very dangerous spiral to be in. Additionally, looking outside the borders of the United States, 60% of the current poorest countries in the world are on the way to defaulting on their existing debt, which again will have an impact with the global banks. And importantly, a few comments on inflation. Inflation is continuing. It is down a small amount versus the high of a month or so ago. It's continuing. And one reason it is continuing, a very important reason, is the difficulty in moving consumption down to meet the lower supply of goods and services in the economy. As we discussed before, the real issue is a supply issue. So given the Fed cannot in a short term work on increasing supplies of merchandise and services, or even in the long term they can't, very well. They're working on decreasing the U.S. consumer demand to meet the lower supply, so that will take away people like us bidding up the prices more of restricted supplies because we want the items. If we have less money, we will buy fewer items, and less money in discretionary spending is exactly what they want, in my view. How did they get that? They want to see lower house prices, which they are seeing. They want to see lower bond prices and stock prices, which they are seeing. And why do they want that? Because there is a wealth effect. The wealth effect in economics is the higher the net worth of individuals, the more comfortable individuals feel to spend and to borrow more. We've seen that over the past 10 years as house prices have continued to escalate. The house for some families is like a future ATM machine, but house prices have gone up so much, net worth has gone up so much, there has been a comfort generated in buying more and borrowing more. And that wealth effect, the Fed wants to reverse. So by reversing the net worth of families, higher rent, lower house prices, lower employment, which means lower personal incomes, that consumption will be reduced. And this is particularly helpful to have higher energy costs because higher energy costs make the discretionary income to buy other goods and services less. So in my view, the best result that we will see over the next three months, six months, year is stagflation, little or no growth, incomes dropping, unemployment going up, and inflation continuing to be an issue because it is a supply-inspired inflation, not demand, although the Fed is trying to resolve it by decreasing demand. And as we are seeing around the world, we're getting past the fail-safe area where a global recession becomes the real potential outcome. It's becoming the base case. And as we've discussed in prior podcasts, we are not solving the supply chain issues. So between now and the next podcast, be careful, be conservative, protect your assets and family. 
Be sure to email us at rtornadin at uclaextension.edu on more specific questions, which we will answer either personally or select as part of our future podcast. Hosted by Business and Legal Programs Director Roger Tornadin. This podcast is presented by UCLA Extension and produced by Jamie Moss at Studio 10960. These podcasts are made for educational purposes and are not financial advice. The goal is to educate and provide resources on focused economic and job trends with the latest support research so that you can make more informed financial and career decisions that best suit your personal needs. UCLA Extension offers more than 5,000 online and in-classroom courses taught by over 2,000 leading practitioners to help you get from here to there. For more information on this podcast or our financial and legal programs, please check us out at www.uclaextension.edu. We know it's about your life, not just your money.